The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And a good day to you. I hope it was wherever you are. This is Winning Ponies, and hopefully we've got another good show lined up for you. Remember, if you do miss any or if you like a show a lot and you want to tell a friend about it, all these shows are on podcast. Got a nice lineup for you today. Uh, One of the top uh, writers and handicappers uh, on the national scene is David Grenning. He works now for the Daily Racing Forum. He's had quite a history in some of the uh, papers he's written for. Uh, Grenning, of course, you see him on the uh, Saratoga uh, television screens, giving out his handicapping with little Andy Serling. Uh, he uh, won the uh, Walter Haight Award uh, just uh, this past season as uh, for recognition by his peers as one of the best writers and hardest workers. And I'm really looking forward to uh, getting to know uh, Dave a little bit and having you getting to know him. And uh, in this very same vein, if you were uh, watching the fastest horse in the country last week, Fort Laird win the Whitney Invitational Handicap at Saratoga, uh, you, you saw a, a veteran but still kind of a young guy by the name of Brian Hernandez just put in a picture-perfect ride aboard Fort Laird, who got the best buyer figure in all of the United States uh, last week. We're going to kind of introduce you to Brian. He's, he's one of these guys that has kind of flown under the radar a little bit, but uh, ask anybody that's ridden him, including... Uh, Hale Wiggins on a horse by the name of Rachel Alexandra. That's right. He broke her maiden and rode her early in her career. Um, that uh, Brian is just a quality individual and a very, very good rider. And I really hope that uh, his win in the Whitney is uh, going to be a springboard to uh, bigger and better things now that he's on the national racing scene. And speaking of the national racing scene, it doesn't get any bigger or better until you hit the Hall of Fame. And the Hall of Fame has... Six new inductees, uh, some from the Historic Review Committee that I don't even remember, and uh, others are ones that are very fresh in our mind. Of course, the first one being Johnny V, John Velasquez. He's 40 years old now. He's won over 4,800 races. That puts him 32nd on the all-time list. Probably more important to him, he ranks third all-time in purse money. Uh, last year, of course, he won his first Kentucky Derby, and this year he won his second Belmont Stakes. Um, the great thing is that his agent is Angel Cadoro Jr., and uh, he's had him since the late 90s. Of course, uh, Angel just owns Saratoga. I don't know how, what an influence that's been as far as him helping Johnny V, but right now, uh, Cordero, of course, uh, he's known as the king of Saratoga. He won 11 consecutive riding titles. But uh, Johnny V's closing in on becoming the all-time winningest rider at Saratoga. 
through Wednesday, he had 668. That only puts him 25 behind Jerry Bailey. Now, you know he's had limited riding opportunities uh, because of the collarbone injury that he had. But, man, is he on fire. He's already won with 13 of his 36 mounts. Of course, you get in with the right people and you win a lot of races. And what's going to be really cool in the Hall of Fame induction is that uh, Johnny V is going to be presented his plaque by trainer Todd Pletcher. And of course, those two have teamed up to win hundreds of races. All right. Also, a gentleman certainly deserving of Hall of Fame honor is Roger Atfield. Now, Atfield's kind of known as a Canadian, but he actually uh, was born in Newbury, England. But uh, up in Canada, he is dominant. He's won eight sovereign awards as outstanding trainer, and he is a member already of the Canadian Racing Hall of Fame. Uh, he trained three Canadian Triple Crown winners, uh, Izvesta, Pitsky, and with approval. And also from the modern era, Ghost Zapper turned out to be a pretty nice stallion himself. Uh, he was elected Horse of the Year and Older Male Champion in 2004. That year, of course, he won the Breeders' Cup Classic, in addition to the Woodard and a couple other graded stakes races, undefeated in his four starts. Uh, at then the Phil Islin at Monmouth, he earned 128 buyer, uh, won the King's Bishop and the Grade 1 Vosburg, and finished his career with a six-and-a-half-length victory in the Metropolitan Mile, of course, a race that stamps a lot of good stallions. He earned a 122 buyer that day. And again, hats off to Johnny V. I mean, this guy's uh, done it all. I mean, two-time Eclipse Award winner, 11 Breeders' Cup races, uh, two of them just uh, this past season. Now he's got the Derby, two Belmonts, and again, he's uh, ranks third, only behind the likes of Pat Day and Jerry Bailey on the all-times earning list. Congrats to Johnny V. Well, it looks like uh, I'll have another has settled into uh, to Japan okay. Uh, kind of interesting. He's been in quarantine for quite a while. He was in quarantine to California from July 19th to August 7th. He was in quarantine in Japan. And he actually uh, took what they call a bus ride to his quarantine village. And then he ferried across the sea uh, to get to the... Uh, area that kind of looks like central Kentucky over there, would remind you of the bluegrass region of Lexington, and uh, the farm owner Sikiyuka Okada is no stranger to American racing. Uh, he basically began his career in it, uh, working at Claiborne Farm in Paris, Kentucky. Uh, he, he was enamored with, with Ruffian. Uh, he, he learned English very well. And the good thing is you're going to be able to see I'll have another, even though he's over in Japan, because uh, his farm is very much involved in, in, in YouTube and other social network uh, programs. So, again, uh, Shikiyuki Okakata at Big Red Farm. If you want to Google it, maybe you'll get to see some video of I'll Have Another. He uh, kind of just stood there for a while, when, and after they turned him out, he realized, hey, I'm loose. I'm going to go have fun. And I ran around his paddock and showed no signs of uh, any stress on his leg that forced him to the sidelines prior to the Belmont Stakes. Uh, a horse that's just scaring everybody off is Frankel. You know, he's European Secretariat, unbelievable. Uh, the bookmakers are saying nobody will take uh, odds on him. They, people are just, po you know, politely clapping when he uh, comes out on the track because there's no excitement about uh, him being do dominant. Uh, again, the, uh, the the bookies staying away from Frankel. He's just too good. It'd be very interesting to see he comes to the U.S. So far, reports are that that's highly doubtful. 
Uh, well, Robbie Alvarado is going to be riding Kentucky for the first time uh, since early May when he had uh, trouble due to a domestic problem. Uh, he's been riding at Arlington Park since June 1st. Uh, of course, he did get out of that jurisdiction. He went to Virginia to Colonial Downs on their big day, and uh, <laughs> all he did was win the $600,000 Virginia Derby on Silver Max and the $150,000 Virginia Oaks on Volcat. Okay, let's look at some more individual horse news that we have here. Uh, Take Charge Indy, well, nobody's got a better eye on horse flesh than Elliot Walden, and it looks like Windstar Farm has acquired the breeding rights to Take Charge Indy. According to Elliot Walden, when I look at him, I saw A.P. Indy, who was obviously one of the greatest sires of sires in the industry today. Uh, not only that, he's out of a grade one winner, and he is going to make one kind of stud. You may remember back in the spring, Take Charge Indy won the million-dollar Florida Derby. Went into the Kentucky Derby as one of the favorites, but uh, came out with a little bit of an ankle injury. Looks like he's back in training, so that is good. Uh, he's trained by uh, Pat Dern, Burn, rather, who's uh, trained uh, champion's favorite trick in Awesome again. And according to Burn, he says he is by far the best horse I've ever trained when you combine depth, pedigree, and magnitude of talent. He looks absolutely fantastic, so take charge Indy off to Windstar. Uh, Late-breaking news, uh, just at uh, 5 o'clock today out of Saratoga, uh, and it's not good news off the presses, uh, from Darby Dan Farm. It looks like uh, Winter Memories, who just last week won the Diana, is out of racing forever. Uh, Kind of very disappointed. It was a total surprise to everybody concerned, uh, according to John Phillips, who's the the, the manager of the uh, Darby Dan Farm. Uh, they took a look at her. She looked and act great, but her ankles were a little warm, and they found an uncommon degenerative bone disease. So uh, it looks like uh, she's going to be going back to Darby Dan, and uh, they're very sad for Jim Toner, who's a trainer that did an outstanding job. Of course, back at Darby Dan, she's going to join her dam, who's the grade one winner, Memories of Silver, and a couple of half-sisters, Darby Dan, always with quality horses. Of course, Winter Memories, uh, last year, just unbelievable, uh, graded stakes races, the Miss Grillo, Appalachian, Sands Point, uh, uh, Lake George. She's certainly not a horse that had to carry a racetrack with her, you know, w- winning uh, at, at Belmont, at Keeneland, at Saratoga. Uh, just, uh, she'll make it just an outstanding Mayor, beautiful uh, gray filly with a lot of grass in her pedigree. She's by El Prado, son of Sadler's Wells, out of a silver hawk mare. Okay, another uh, interesting uh, news that uh, just got out. Painter, as it turns out, went to a medical clinic, and we're not even sure that he's going to be in the Travers. You know, he just won the, the Haskell Invitational and uh, looked like with a very good season, he could very well. Uh, be right in the hunt for three-year-old of the year, but we'll find out right now. Bob Baffert's kind of low-balling it, um, saying that uh, it, he's really at the spa in New Jersey getting his nails done. So uh, he's coming out of the spa on Friday, and uh, we'll see uh, what kind of training he can do because the Travers is now just, to, believe it or not, just a little more than two weeks away. It seems like uh, yesterday we were watching the Florida Derby, and uh, 
nonetheless, let's hope Painter gets back on the trail. We want to see him compete. A horse we saw compete this winter a lot at the fairgrounds. Uh, might be uh, the greatest Louisiana bred of all time. Star Guitar. His future is in doubt. Uh, they're not sure that he's got a really bad quarter crack, and there could be a little separation of the hoof wall, which is going to be very, very hard uh, to heal. Uh, just a, an amazing horse, a star guitar. Uh, he was hoping to go for his 11th straight win on Saturday. He's won over $1.7 million. Not bad for Louisiana bread. So, again, we don't know for sure, but it looks like he may be hitting the sidelines. Uh, track I talked about earlier, put it on your bucket list, Kentucky Downs. Uh, they're going to reduce takeout, and they're adding wagers, and uh, they're going to have a very solid purse schedule uh, this upcoming season. Uh, they're happy to announce that. And, uh, again, Kentucky Downs on the border between Kentucky and Tennessee is a place you definitely want to check out. Uh, let's take uh, a look at last week's Matt McCumber. Uh, out of Lexington, uh, very, very sharp handicapper, and he came away with some good picks. I hope you were listening, and I hope that uh, that you went to the window. Uh, and the Clement Hirsch, uh, he uh, he liked Include Me Out. Include Me Out put in a rousing run through the lane and got up by a neck over his long shot pick, Star Billing. Star Billing went off at over 9-1, to one. So Matt McCumber with Include Me Out and Star Billing gave out a $35 exacta in the Clement Hirsch at Del Mar. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I rode that pony along with them and uh, was able to buy a nice dinner down at AJ's Roadhouse. Of course, uh, the, the Whitney Invitational. In just a few minutes, uh, we're going to get to talk to uh, Brian Hernandez, who brought home Fort Larned, uh, dismissed at 7-1, to one, just put in a beautiful ride, a hand ride, and this is a horse that is peaking at the right time, uh, paid sixteen forty, and guess who picked Fort Larned? None other than our handicapper that we chose, who was Matt McCumber, came home and paid sixteen forty. Uh, Ron the Greek, who was the slightest of favorites, uh, w- finished ahead ahead of uh, late closer flat out, and uh, that exacta paid seventy six fifty. So again, hats off to Matt McCumber. And uh, then we went out to the best pal stakes out at Del Mar. Everybody getting on Sharer Magic. Uh, he was about an even money favorite. But got into a little bit of trouble, they're saying, in the race. So instead of remaining undefeated, finished off the board. And, hey, we might have another. That's right. The connections of I'll Have Another sent out the winner, a first-time starter called No More. Uh, So we'll find out. Because last year, I'll Have Another ran in the best pal, but he ran second to Creative Cause. But Doug O'Neill, who's having a great meet out at Del Mar, uh, gets the job done. It's not often that you uh, win a uh, grade two stakes race with a first-time starter. Well, um, in, the, uh, in, in, the, in the Vanderbilt, it was Poseidon's Warrior, upset time at the river. That's right, at the river. Uh, at the spa, the Graveyard of Champions, 36-1, to 1, got up by a neck over Justin Phillip. Running third was MC, who did all of the pace in that race. And speaking of pace in the race, wow, hero of order in the West Virginia Derby said, Hanson, you are not getting an e- uh, easy lead. 
The fractions weren't great, but he was at his throat latch every step of the way. Uh, turning for home, Hero of Order kind of dropped an anchor. It looked like maybe Hansen was going to go on, but then he tired in, in the final 16th, and coming on was Steve Asmussen's Macho Macho. Uh, he scored at 5-1. to one. Macho Macho, then it was Bourbon Courage, call to serve. I think there were some bridge jumpers that made huge bets on Hansen that are regretting that decision. Well, a decision I'm not going to regret is our next guest coming up here on Winning Ponies. And that's one, Brian Hernandez. He's going to tell us a little bit about his career in racing and then a lot about Fort Larn, a horse that recorded the fastest buyer of the week last week. So stay right there on Winning Ponies. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Fantasy sports is where the action really is. Over 40 million people play fantasy sports, but rarely do they get to quiz the experts. Fantasy Insights is the name and the game. Tune in every week as Dish Adams and his guests clue you in on the fantasy football game, what's happening on and off the field, and how it will affect your fantasy team. These experts aren't just beat writers assigned to fantasy football. They live and breathe the game. Tune in to Fantasy Insights with Dish Adams every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me right now, uh, a gentleman that I've gotten to know over the years, uh, kind of a roundabout way, uh, uh, Jamie Radosevich, uh is from a famed family in the, in the state of Ohio where I've worked for so many years in racing. Uh, she's got, uh, you know, uh, fathers, uncles, brothers, uh, you name it, and uh, they're all quality class people. And Jamie used to be an exercise rider here for one of our leading riders, uh, Doug Cowens. Uh, just just a, a pleasant person to be around. And she eventually kind of moved up in the business and was, you know, around the barn with Curlin, working with Steve Asmussen. And along the way, uh, she uh, ran into a guy by the name of Brian Hernandez, who I've since uh, got to meet and see ride a lot at, at Keeneland. And uh, Brian, Brian is with us today. Brian, how are you doing? 
Uh, I, I feel good. If I was any better, I'd have to be twins. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Brian, what I'd like to do is, you know, really, you kind of stepped into the national spotlight uh, last week, even though, you know, people, particularly in Kentucky, know what, what a talented horseman you are. And, and if people turn the clock back, they'll remember that back in 2004, uh, you, you, we were talking about, uh, you know, the Eclipse Award for Apprentice of the Year. I mean, um, you're, you're not a guy that, that's unfamiliar with success. And you're not a guy that's unfamiliar uh, with horses, of course, uh, as your dad was being a jockey. Uh, can, can you tell everybody a little bit about uh, where you where you came from? Because you came from a place where a whole lot of good jockeys started. Yeah, I grew up in Lafayette, Louisiana, around Evangeline Downs and Delta Downs, and grew up on the backside of the racetracks there ever since we were four years old, me and my little brother, Colby. It's kind of all we ever knew. Well, uh, now... You know, when I when I go back and I think about Louisiana race, and there's two things I think about. One is all the great riders that, that came out of there. But I also think about one of my favorite all-time movies, and he was a guest that was on here on Winning Ponies, Randy Romero. Uh, did you ever get the chance to ride in any of those bush races? I did. I rode a couple of years on the bush tracks before they closed them all down when I was 10 and 11. We actually have <laughs> wait, a, wait, you a were win- 10 and 11 years old? Yeah, I was. Yeah, we rode Shetlands and mules and quarter horses and anything else they'd let us ride. <laughs> my dad would take me there on Saturday and Sundays and give me my helmet and vest and let me go at it. Now, was your dad always uh, encouraging of you to ride? Did it look like you would probably, you know, stay jockey size and and hopefully someday have a career in his footsteps? Yeah, it was always there. I mean, growing up, we always had horses on, we grew up on a farm and we always had riding horses. And then when I got old enough, I started working for a guy by the name of Dale Angel when I was 11. And I worked for him until I was 18 when I started riding. But dad was always there the whole way through the whole process. And he made two good riders, I guess you could say, between me and my brother. Now, as, as I recall, you would actually, you started out at Delta Downs, which was a night track, and you would go to high school during the day and then ride at night? I did, actually. I uh, My parents were great supporters in it. They always made sure I was going to finish high school. And when I was riding, I was riding at Delta at night, and I'd work horses in the morning from 5 to 8 and then go to school from 9 to 1, I think it was. And then me and Dad would load up in the truck and drive the hour and a half down to Delta and ride all night long and then get up and go back to work the next morning and do it all over again. Sounds a little bit like Casey's shadow without Walter Matthau in the picture there. <laughs> now, uh, kind of tell us how you, you, you made your trail uh, up to Kentucky because, uh, like I say, you, you've, been, you've been recognized as a young veteran rider, uh, but you, you, you've won, the, the Whitney wasn't your first uh, graded stakes race. Um, kind of tell people how you made your trail up to Kentucky. When I was riding around Louisiana, I had the bug. I was doing well. I was leading rider at Evangeline, and I got a couple phone calls from agents all over the country. And uh, Mom and Dad thought it would be great to go ahead when Fred Amy called. It was a great deal. Between Fred Amy and Shane Sellers, they kind of got me up here, and they they talked me into coming, and it's been great ever since. And I had Fred Amy for the whole year. I had the bug, and we got lucky and won the Eclipse Award at the end of it. Yeah, well, it takes a little more than luck to win the Eclipse Award. <laughs> that, that I can tell you. Um, now, something that probably a lot of people don't know because they only see the end of a horse's career 
is is the guy that brought along a horse of the year by the name of Rachel Alexandra called Brian Hernandez. What was it like working with Rachel in the early days and, and, and actually breaking her maiden first time out? It was something special. She actually broke her maiden second time out. But she, when she first came in, Mr. Hal Wiggins he, and his whole crew, they did such a great job with her. And they got her in from Ed Dodwell. And Mr. Dodwell, he always kind of knew his horses. And when he called and said that she was going to be something special, Mr. Howe had me come to the morning and start getting on her from day one. And she uh, she just showed how good she was. And we always knew she was going to be a really good horse. I remember that when I, after I broke her maiden at Churchill, going four and a half, I came back and I told my valet, I said, she's going to be the real deal. She'll be something that you're going to read history books about. I had no clue she was going to get as good as she was, but we kind of had an idea that she was going to be a really good horse. Well, now, had you had that clue, because from what I understand, the way you guys parted ways is Hal Wiggins decided to go to Oaklawn, but at that point in time, you thought your best shot was down in New Orleans. Yeah, at that point in time, uh, I had ridden her in the Pocahontas at Churchill, and she was second. And then at that point in time, New Orleans, the fairgrounds meet had started early that year. So I thought it would be better for me to go down to New Orleans and get a jump start on down there. And when I left, uh, they got Calvin to start working her, and she and he got to ride her back in the Golden Rod. And pretty much it was all Calvin after that. Exactly. It was all Calvin after that, and she went on to have the great career she did. Well... Uh, it looks like uh, while uh, while you you missed that bus, you've caught another good one right here. I, I know that you started riding Fort Larned, uh, who of course won the Grade One Whitney uh, last week, uh, back in the allowance ranks, and uh, it was back in uh, at Churchill Downs on a sloppy track that was supposed to go on on the turf. And it seems like you just kind of fit this horse real well. You see, you seem to be able to get this colt to relax nice. Uh, t- tell us about uh, maybe your first ride on Fort Larned and what it's like to be back reunited with him. Oh, you know, he's a really nice horse, and Ian and his whole crew has done a great job with him. And they know they know him better than anybody. I just got to kind of go along for the ride. But when I rode him in the two other day in at Churchill that, that day, it was first time with Blinkers, Muddy Racetrack. And his form indicated he was going to be okay, but not run the race he did that day. And then he ran a big race in the two other than that day. And I remember down in New Orleans this one, I was just kind of flipping through the races and I watched him win the stake he won over at Tampa. And that's when he really caught my eye about how good he had gotten. And he's just stepped up with each race from here on out. Even his Stephen Foster race, if you go back and watch it, he ran a big race in there. He just kind of had a unlucky trip where he got bounced around going into the first turn. Yeah, according to the form, he was carried out, and, and, and he was bothered. Uh, but uh, luckily, you inherited the, the mount after that uh, at a little old place called Prairie Meadows, but you turned the Cornhusker into a laugher. Yeah, we got lucky, and I, Ian decided that he wanted to wheel him right back in the Cornhusker, and I got lucky, and I picked up the mount on him. And he left there good that night, and he did it all his own way and turned him, turned him away, turned him for home, and just opened up and did it pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the the horse you defeated in there by three lengths, successful Dan, as is, you know, considered one of one of the best in the country. But I think you you made, you made a very wise move that day, uh, saying, "Look, I'm going to take the lead, and if they're going to let me go 48 and change, I got a feeling that this colt's going to go on." Yeah. No, I mean that day at, in the Cornhusker, we kind of fell into our lap. We were actually planning on having the same trip we had in the Whitney, 
where we were going to just kind of sit off of the two inside speed horses. But when they broke, they didn't go, so I just kind of let him do his thing, and he he relaxed going down the backside, and when we turned for home, he had all the answers. Well, you know, speaking of the Whitney, I mean, you and Fort Larned, you know, really stepped it up a notch because, you know, you're talking about uh, going into new territory against very, very proven horses, uh, you know, like uh, like you know, Ron, Ron the Greek and Flat Out, a hymn book, you know, all those already, you know, established, you know, top, you know, grade one, grade one horses. I, I've got to ask you, because you're a guy that's gone from track to track, what's it like your first time at what some people call the Vatican of racing, Saratoga? You know, we, it was really exciting getting to go into Saratoga and, I never really got nervous at any point because right after the Cornhusker, Ian came and talked to me and told me, he said, when this horse runs back in the Whitney, you get to ride him. He said, just go and do your thing, and he's going to show up. And with guys like that in your corner, you don't really worry about it. And going into the race Saturday, we, I thought I was on the fastest horse, and he showed that he is one of the best in the country. Well, uh Obviously, uh, they're they're thinking in that direction with him because uh, now they're talking that that he may come back in, in the Grade One Woodward uh, early in September. Uh, the way he won last week, he could he could be favored. Uh, what's it feel like for you? Uh, you know, being a rider where somebody like Ian Wilkes, who probably could have gone to Saratoga and, and gotten a name jack, instead picks up the phone and says, "Hey, you're coming to the spa with us." It was just a great honor, and he, it was a great honor from him and Miss Janice Whiteham because they told me right after the Cornhusker, the horse won, that, they, hey, I was, they were in my corner. Don't worry about it. I was going to get to ride him back, and it was just, it's been a great honor for them just to be able to stand up and be able to stand behind me like that because, like you said, he went off second choice in the Whitney. They could have had any jock they wanted, and I was fortunate enough to let them stick by me, and I'm just very grateful for him. Well, uh, where do you, where do you see you know yourself being a, a year from now? I mean, I, do you have continued goals uh, that that you're that you're looking for? Uh, because, like I said at the top of the show, I've always respected your riding ability, and of course, you've always ridden for some of the top trainers in Kentucky. Uh, do you have a game plan, or where where uh, do you hope you'll be a year from now? Uh, hopefully, a year from now we'll be at Saratoga, but I guess we'll just have to see. As of right now, we're going to go to. We're going to ride through Kentucky Downs and then Keeneland in the fall and do Churchill and then New Orleans for the winter and just stay loyal to our people that have stayed loyal to us through these years. Well, that's that's a great attitude, and that's, that's coming from a man from Louisiana. Now, um, I know that, correct me if I'm wrong, this was your A, first visit to Saratoga, and B, your first grade one win? Yes, very first grade one win and first visit to, to the spa. Well, uh, I, I saw the uh, the view down in the winter circle, and I saw that that Jamie was with you. Did you guys get to hit the town? Yeah, we we did a little celebrating on Saturday night, but we couldn't do too much because we had to hurry up and catch an early flight back to uh, Ellis Park for Sunday. We caught a six o'clock flight, and we were back to Ellis. I ended up missing the first one road because our flight was delayed, but we made it back for the fifth. Well, I, I, who knows? You know, a, a year from now, you might be might be riding uh, the whole meet up up there at Saratoga, Brian. I know you've you've got a lot of uh, class, and uh, you've got a lot of people in your corner. And uh, I'm just really happy to see you. You know, getting in the national spotlight, and can't can't help but wish you the best. Oh, thank. You. 
Well, listen, say hi to Jamie for me, and I'll probably see you down at Keeneland, all right? That sounds good. Thanks again. All right, Brian, take care. Again, Brian Hernandez, another one of the very, very promising riders that just continue to come out of uh, Louisiana and a class act all around. Well, uh, speaking of class acts, uh, David Grenning's going to be with us uh, after our break at the bottom of the hour. And we're going to take a look at uh, some rising stars that are uh, coming up there at the spa, and nobody knows him better because this guy's not afraid of his alarm in the morning. <laughs> David Grenning gets out. He's on the backstretch. He, he knows the players. He gets to see the horses. Of course, the Adirondack and the Saratoga Special, let's rewind a year. You go back there, and uh, the two-year-old champion Philly, my Miss Oriala, if I'm saying that right, came out of the Adirondack. Deck. And, of course, Union Rags, who probably fell a short head of being the two-year-old champ in the Breeders' Cup, uh, he came out of the Saratoga Special. So two quality races. We'll be talking with a quality guy in David Grenning. Stay tuned. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right. Well, welcome back, and uh, it was great talking to Brian Hernandez, and I think it's going to be just as great talking to uh, David Grenning. If you buy a daily racing forum and want to know anything about what's happening on the East Coast, he's the guy that you want to tune in on. And I'll tell you what, I was lucky enough to go to the 52nd Annual Awards Dinner for the National Turf Writers and Broadcasters, and uh, they're getting the uh, Walter Haight Award was none other than David Grenning. Of course, my good friend Terry Wallace was there getting the Mr. Fitz Award, but it was even uh, neater to uh, l- listen to the intro- introduction 
to David and to learn about his past and to learn about uh, the respect that others have for him. Uh, the This award that's presented by the National Turf Writers and Broadcasters, the Walter Hayde Award, uh, most would say it's about the most meaningful award a race writer can earn during his career because what it does is it signifies the admiration uh, of all of his colleagues. And uh, other winners of the Walter Hayde Award, just to tell you what category he's in, we're talking about Andy Byers, Stephen Christ, uh, Jay Havde, Bill Knack, and Red Smith, and Joe Hirsch. It doesn't get any better than that. So uh, with that said, I'm not going to go through his entire biography. I'll let you tell him about uh, where you came from. David Grenning, welcome to Winning Ponies. Well, thank you very much, John. I appreciate you having me. And uh, in that group of uh, names that you mentioned, I uh, sit at the kids' table. <laughs> well, all I can say is, you know, you, you start throwing Red Smith and Joe Hirsch around. Yeah, you're with some pretty big boys, no doubt That's about it. Absolutely right. Well, you know, it, it, it's obvious, and I believe it was uh, Dick Girardi that, uh, that, that introduced you that night, wasn't it? It was. Uh, I go back about 20 years with Dick. Uh, when I first started, one of my beats was uh, the mid-Atlantic uh, region down there, South Jersey and uh, Philadelphia Park. Garden State Park, and that was, those were his haunts as well. So I got to meet him there when I was uh, when I knew nothing about racing, and he helped uh, he helped pave the way for me. Uh, you know, brought me up to speed a little bit. Well, well, obviously, David, you got a, a great love of the game because the one thing that that that, that Dick said, and the one thing that that uh, Jay Privman uh, writes about, is the fact that uh, you seem to just eat the sport up. You're one of the first guys on the backstretch. Your your eyes and ears are always open. Uh, what what is it that, uh, that that put your soul into the sport like that? Well, I just hungry to learn. I mean, I've been, I've been doing this twenty years, and I still don't feel like I know nearly enough uh, about what how things go and what makes a good horse good and what makes uh, a good rider good and a good trainer good. And I just try to you know I just try to go out there in the morning and pay attention and and see. Uh, you know, I'm on the East Coast. As you mentioned, I'm in New York, where some of the greatest trainers who ever touched the bridle uh, are, and uh, you get a guy like Alan Jerkins, uh, who won the Grade One last Saturday, and a guy like Todd Fletcher, who's winning races every day with two-year-olds. The job that he does, uh, you know, you you try to do, you try to be to your profession what they are to theirs, and uh, I'm I'm sure I fall short, way short of that, but uh, you try. Well, no, you you don't fall way short at all. And as a matter of fact, I, I think it must be a, a real uh, great feeling to you knowing that be, because of your writing skills and the way you address the sport and you, your, your honesty and the way that uh, you've dealt with these guys over decades now, that, that, that you can walk down the shed row and walk right up to Alan Jerkins and just have an honest conversation with him. What's that feel like as an individual and as a writer? Well, it, I mean, it is pretty special when, you know, you go to, to to that barn and you walk in and, you know, he wants to tell, be glad to answer your questions and uh, talk to you about how things are going. I mean, I remember two days before Amazon Corps won the victory ride. Yeah, he was driving his golf cart in the backstretch and I was on my way to see somebody else and he drove up to me and we, I don't think we even talked about Amazon Corps. I think we just talked about a bunch of different things and, uh, you know, as I'm thinking about that conversation, as we're as I'm going down the elevator to interview him after he won the race, I'm like, Gee, maybe I should have asked about Amazon Corp because she paid, she just won, she just paid eighty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was, I thought Agave Kiss, who was an overwhelming favorite, was like the lock, stock, and barrels that day, and uh, she she was last. So again, you learn something new all the time. Yeah, you, you do, but I think it's, it's just great that you know that you've earned that respect of the people that you're around, and I think it, it makes your job a lot easier because because they trust you and they know when you, you approach them, 
you know, as you said, it's going to be as much on a friendly basis as it, as it is a professional basis, and uh, it just uh, it, it comes across not only in your writing, but it comes across in, in your delivery on your handicapping show. Now, I, I've said this on this show a few other times, never to you, is that I knew little Andy Serling when he was little Andy. I knew him when he used to run around the paddock with a with a derby hat on. I think he would, would give. I swear to God, and I think he would like give out overnights, and people would tip him and stuff like that. Uh, but you know, I think like yourself, he, he's kind of a guy that's uh, you know, he's been able to get a job that's his bliss. Well, he does. I mean, he he eats and breathes this stuff too, and uh, you know, he's he's talking about. Listen, we we did the show today, and he's talking about looking up some. Some history on the jump trainer who was bringing a horse over from England for the first, you know, first time in this country, and that her record was one for three in such instances. And I, I, I look, I think that horse beat one horse, and that might have been the my my pick. So it was, it, it, he he does he he is very diligent and very uh, hardworking in his handicapping, and his delivery is uh, is unique as well. And he's he's not he doesn't pull any punches. Well, no, he he doesn't, but it's just amazing that you know to be to be running around on the back stretch when you uh, and and the front stretch when you're about uh, you know ten years old and all of a sudden to be you know uh, Harvey Pax era parent. Uh, exactly. he, he certainly he certainly landed landed on his feet. Um, I just wanted to ask you, uh, how special is it uh, this time of year leaving Long Island and and going up to Saratoga for a couple of weeks? Well, it would be okay if it was just a couple of weeks, but it's seven weeks, uh, most of them sent away from the family. Uh, but it is, I mean, if you, you know, it's, every day is, uh, you don't know what you're going to see on a daily basis. You could see the next superstar. We, you know, we started out with a lot of two-year-old races. It's sort of uh, come down a little bit in numbers there. But uh, some of the first couple of weeks, we saw really good performances. Uh, now we're getting ready to see some of these horses run back, especially Sunday in the, in the second round of stakes. And uh, you just never know what you're going to do. Then you get a day like when Ramon won six. Um, you know, he's won six before at Belmont, and it gets met, met with you know applause and, and kudos, but it doesn't get met the way it gets met up here. And, uh, you know, that was a pretty special day when he pulled that feet off. And, the you know, he had, four, he had four today and was going for five with a favorite, and that would have been, I mean, to win six on one day and then five on another, that would have been pretty cool, too. Absolutely. He's, he's a class act. Well, you kind of segue me uh, right into the first two races that we want to look at at Saratoga. And, again, these are going to be on Sunday, but they are going to be on the CBS Sports Network. And uh, I'm looking at these two, two races. Uh, they're for two-year-olds. Uh, they've delivered us some amazing horses uh, over the years. And it looks to me like everything could be coming up rosy. Well, it's, you know, she's, she's actually hit a little bit of a lull since a pretty good start to the meet. Um, she, we were told, looking, at it, looking at it today, she won the very first meet race of the meet, which is on the turf. She has now lost 51 consecutive turf races, which is okay for these races because they're on the dirt. But she did early in the meet on opening day get to ride uh, her first, her second winner of the day when she won two races of the first five. And the one we're talking about is K.Y. Katie, who's going to be the number three horse in the Adirondack Stakes for Todd Fletcher. And, you know, Stone Street Stable owns this filly, and they've sent out nothing but runners at the meet, and this was the first one. She won by 12 first time out. She ran 103-3 and three for five and a half. She got 100 buyer, which is the biggest number from a two-year-old male or female. And, you know, this is the type of performance where she could regress from a bit and still, I think, beat these horses, although you have a couple of outsiders and unknowns 
horses that have been winning at uh, tracks, you know, little, lower level tracks. You have a horse from Calder, Sal, uh, Salamara, who's two for two with the stakes win. And you have a horse from Tom Amos's barn, Cayano, uh, Ky- who won a maiden at Del- Indiana and then won a little fake convincingly at uh, Delaware. So you don't know how good they are, but uh, they're going to have to be really good to be KYK. Yeah, it, it sure uh, it sure looks that way on, on paper. Now, uh, a day in the life of, of David Grenning, when, when, when you're at Saratoga, I mean, where do you go? I mean, do you go to the Oklahoma track? Do you go to the main track? Uh, do, do you have a plan of action because you know somebody might, might be working? Or, uh, you know, just give me an idea how your day sets up. Yeah, you, you try and get an idea of who might be working. It depends on the day of the week. I mean, most of the big horses work on the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Uh, some of the outfits, like a Steve Asterson will work his horses early, second set. So, like, you know, a horse like my Mr. Aurelia might go out at 6, 6 a.m. and once it gets light out, um, where some of the other guys will work their better horses after the freshly renovated harrowing track, which will be like 8.45 in the main track. It gets like Grand Central Station about 8.45, so I try to be positioned in the press box on the main side at 8.45. There are two breaks for the training track. One's at 7.30, the other's at 9.30. So I try to get over there when it's, you know, when, when the track is reopening because, again, the trainers, if they're going to work their important horses, they like to do it over a freshly hallowed track. And then Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, when you talk about Grand Central Station, the turf course is open for training on the Oklahoma side. And they missed Monday because of rain last time. And then Wednesday, it just looked like you know, it was like 500 horses on the track at the same time. And it was just it's a, little, it's a little dangerous, but it's also pretty amazing to watch these horses and, and watch the clockers in action to, you know, get them all done. Yeah, and, and like you said, you just never know. I mean, I can recall as a kid one time going there and I'm standing next to a groom and he's looking up watching the race and he's cheering his horse down. I look down and uh, in, in his hand he's holding a halter and on the halter it says, Devil's Bag. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> like, like you said earlier, you just never know what, what you're going to see. Well, let, let, let's, move, let's move from, from the Adirondack, it's, uh, the, the girls' version at six and a half furlongs, to, to the six and a half Saratoga Special. Again, a race that's uh, just delivered us so many great horses over the years. They're, they're all lightly raced. This one uh, doesn't seem to be as dominant as Cowie Katie is, uh, but still, uh, you know, has to me, Pletcher looks like he's holding an awful tough hand in here. He is. Uh, Shanghai Bobby is the sixth and is two for two and hasn't run since June 27th, primarily because the owner of Starlight Racing had a horse named Rose Junction that they could have run on the opening day, that they did run on the opening day stakes, not the opening day, the opening week stakes, Stanford, which it didn't run any good. But Shanghai Baby comes off a really good effort in, a, in an overnight stake at where he ran 102 and four for five and a half furlongs. So again, Rosie, as you mentioned, rode that one. Um, Draws nicely here in post six. Uh, can get off a little bit of the speed, or maybe be the speed if no one else goes. Although I think I have to think that a horse like Southern Honor and uh, perhaps In Harm's Way are going to show some speed. And even uh, Todd's other horse, who doesn't get as big a figure at uh, drum roll, that was a pretty good race. It was in Mammoth Park, and uh, there was a lot of commotion before that race. So it was second choice uh, scratch at the gate. I think another horse unseated its rider, and uh, this horse moved down to the rail and after the scratch and. Broke slowly, rushed up, and then just kept on going. I don't know if he was good enough right now to beat a stable mate, Shanghai Baby, or even the three, Spurious Precision, but I think he's one to watch down the road, uh, drum roll is. Spurious Precision for Rick Violet comes in. He's sort of substituting for carried interest. That was a horse that broke its maiden at Belmont impressively, and then the runner-up from that race, Palace Malice, trained by Pletcher, came back and won up here the other day. Carried interest has a tender shin, so they put him to the, on the sidelines for right now. 
And Spirits Precision had a really nice workout here on Tuesday. I was there for that. And he went fast early, but he didn't necessarily slow down that much late and uh, galloped out pretty well. And Rick Violet said to me, he said, you know, this horse, you wouldn't really know he's around the barn. He's so quiet. But since that work, he says, he seems like he's pretty impressed with himself. So it's coming back rather quick, but this horse might be a freak, the Spirits Precision. Well, it, it'll be interesting because these look awful hard to separate. There's just so much talent. Uh, the, the special just looks like it's very, very deep. And once again, it's got to be awful exciting, uh, you know, seeing these horses train in the morning and, of course, eventually getting to watch in these graded stakes races in the afternoon. We're, we're speaking with uh, David Grenning from the Daily Racing Forum. We're going to take a brief break and then come back and try to see who he likes in a race named after a famous horse at Saratoga, the four-star Dave Handicap. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Kevin Lewis has been a student of the game his entire life, from Little League to the NFL. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on Voice America Sports. Hustling with K. Lewis. It's not where you start, it's how you finish. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. And with me again, uh, David Grenning, uh, writer for the Daily Racing Forum and an expert handicapper to boot. Uh, in, in reading your bio, it looked like one of the first horses that uh, really uh, that got you going in the game uh, was, was Cigar, a horse I got to hang out with a couple of months ago because nobody was at the Kentucky Horse Park but me. Uh, is, is he still uh, your favorite horse? Well, he's up there. I mean, I think Holy Bull was probably my favorite horse just because of that running style that he had. He just, he, you know, the seems about my horse is faster than your horse, and they, the gates open, and Holy Bull would go out there and just run faster than anybody else for whatever the distance was. If it was three quarters, if it was a mile, or in the Travers, a mile and a quarter. So I always admired that. But yeah, I did admire the consistency of Cigar, and we've got one. You know, he's one of the first horses I got to cover uh, when I got to New York. '94 um, was the year I got to New York. Uh, for the post, and that was in May, and he started that streak in, fall, in the fall of 94 at Aqueduct, and I got to follow him in Florida. He took me to Suffolk. He took me to Arlington. Uh, I didn't get to go to Dubai with him, unfortunately, but I got to go uh, I got to go to Delmar because of him, and, uh, and even though he didn't win that race, uh, it was still pretty exciting to watch that whole thing shake out and, you know, to, to do 16 of anything in this game and 
you know, it's, it's, it's extremely difficult and to travel the way he did and, and run against the competition and carry the weight that he did was, it was pretty impressive. Uh, and, you know, a guy like Bill Mott will always have my utmost respect for what he did with that horse. Well, you know, you, you've, you've talked, you've talked about your relationship with the trainers, some of your favorite courses. Uh, here we are coming up on Friday and inducted into the Hall of Fame is going to be, uh, John Velasquez, Johnny V. Uh, what's it like being around these class act jockeys that you have on the East Coast? You know, Johnny and I sort of come, come in together as well. I mean, he got to New York before I did, but we've got into the, I mean, he got into the U.S. racing around the same time I did in 90. He got in 90, I was in 91. And, you know, pretty much watched him and even a guy like Mike Smith uh, kind of, you know, become what they've become and uh, got to chronicle a lot of it. Now, Mike went away to California and his career took off even more than it was in New York. But, you know, to watch Johnny mature and, and to uh, to go from the struggling times that he had in 1992 that he talked about in an article with me that's in the Friday Forum to, to now coming back off, a, off an injury and taking his time and, and doing it the right way and, and being rewarded for you know, there's a 35% winning percentage, and, you know, that he's going in the Hall of Fame is, is pretty special for all concerned, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty proud of him, and uh, I'm glad I've been there for to chronicle most of his wins. Yeah, I mean, he's a class act. I've been associated with the Jackie Gill as a photographer for many years, and uh, he's just a neat guy to be around. He seems to really love what he's doing, and he certainly uh, loves his family, and he puts a lot of hard work into the Guild, too. Uh, let's move he does, on. He does, uh, permanently. In fact, he's uh, got a thing on Monday night to some of these other jockeys, a little karaoke for uh, a benefit for the Permanently Disabled Jockeys Fund. Oh, those, those are great. I was, I was at one down at Keeneland, and they're absolutely hilarious. I advise sure. anybody that's in the area to go. Well, one thing about Saratoga is you just don't know when a storm's going to pop up. And popping up on Saturday is the four-star Dave Handicap. We, we hope to get it in at a mile on the turf. Uh, I'll ask uh, David Grenning, the writer, to be a meteorologist for a minute. How's the weather up there? Do you think this race is going to go on the grass? Well, I, I think it would take an absolute monsoon or a storm of biblical proportions to move this race <laughs> off the grass, even if they don't run another race on the turf for a week. Um, this one, they've moved. They cut back to a mile. They boosted the first to $500,000. Uh, primarily because there's no good, after the firecracker at Churchill, there's really no good mild race on the grass for this set until you get to uh, the fall with Keeneland and, and, and uh, Woodbine having their races, or I guess Woodbine's first. So you need a bridge to get to those races, and, and this is going to become the bridge, and they're going to try hard to make this a grade one as, as soon as they can. Um, and I think this is a grade one type of field. I mean, get Stormy won this race a couple of years ago. He's a three-time grade one winner. Datalink won the Maker's Mark Mile. Wise Dan was awesome in the Ben Ali and, and uh, the Clark last year, and, and he won the Firecracker. Um, they got the kind of field that they were hoping to get. Corporate Jungle's an up-and-coming type of horse. Uh, Sons, uh, you, uh, you, a West Coast-based miler, they've they got a good group of horses here, I think. Yeah, they, they really do. And uh, while I was juggling out a lot of balls here today, I believe I was listening out of the corner of my ear, and, and you and Andy were talking a little bit about Corporate Jungle that's in this race and that he kind of had a bad ride or a nightmare trip in, in his last race at Hollywood Park. Was it Corporate Jungle you were talking about? It, it was, and he, he was just wide all the way around there. I mean, he, you know, he had post six from eight, and uh, he just, Rafael Verano was a very talented rider, doing great out there. He just, I just don't think he ever got to wear a good position on this horse, and whenever he wanted to move, uh, you know, everyone else was moving as well, so... 
He got beat three lengths in a mile race, but I'm, I'd say he ran closer to a mile fifteenth, a mile and an eighth. And you go back two races, a race that not a whole lot of people probably saw, <clears throat> which was the Elkwood at Bombas Park on Preakness Day. Uh, he ran one thirty-two and three, which is a pretty good time, a very good time, I think, for a mile at Bombas Park. Uh, he, that was his third straight win. He won a couple races at uh, at Gulfstream in the wintertime, and really, I think he's an up and coming up and comer in the miler division. The thing that Chad is worried about is what we were talking about earlier: is the weather. If we get if we get rain and soft, the course softens up. He could uh, it could work against him, is what Chad thinks. But I don't know that we really know that, only because he ran once on a soft course and was fourth, beaten two lengths, but that was the second career start. Right, exactly. Well, as I look at the the four-star handicap, and we've only got like three minutes to go, I'm asking to give me your top selections. Well, what I see in this race that 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 makes it so uh, tough to handicap is that there's a lot of horses in here that have had success at a mile on the turf. Wise Dan, he could be the question mark, even though he's probably going to go off the favorite. He is a question mark, and I think you have to. I almost think you have to play against him, just given the depth of the field. Uh, if he won, it wouldn't surprise me. But he's he hasn't been on the turf since the fall. He was beaten uh, almost two lengths in the Shadwell Mile. He's obviously run some brilliant races since then, including the state. I think it was a track record at the, in the Ben Ali at Keeneland on the 22nd of April, um, where he beat a, a, a pretty good field. And Guy's Reward has come out of that race to win three in a row, I believe, and he's been yeah. back in here on uh, on Saturday in this race. But, you know, Wise Dan was sort of rerouted to this race after they were going to run Successful Dan and the Whitney. I think they were going to run both of these horses in the Whitney. They wound up none, running none in the Whitney because Successful Dan got hurt. Right. But they had already committed this horse to this race. Not sure, not sure they want to be in here 100% now, but he has been working well. He has a very fast workout on the turf, and uh, I guess they'll roll the dice. But I would have to take a little bit of a shot against him. And that horse would be? I'm going to go with Corporate Jungle and just say that, you know, um, I hope that Chad's assessment is a little bit incorrect, that maybe the soft ground uh, will work against him. I mean, in, in addition to that race being the second one of his career when he was caught the yielding turf course and got beat a length and a quarter, it was also a mile and three sixteenths race. And I think this horse is just a true miler, and I think he's going to have his coming out party. And if I get nervous and back off of him, I might go to data link, although the soft course would concern me with data link because he, he, his better races have come on firm. Well, a lot of great information from a, from a great writer and handicapper, uh, David Grenning. David, thanks so much. I, I know it's uh, it's tough being at the spa, and we really appreciate all of us here at Winning Points for you taking time out of your schedule well, to be with us tonight. I thank you for having me and, and for all the kind words that you've uh, said. Easy to say. David Grenning, ladies and gentlemen, from the Daily Racing Forum. Well, that closes out another show on winningponies.com with the regular guy. want to thank also Brian B.J. Hernandez for joining us. He's an up-and-comer, a kid you want to watch. So I hope that you'll uh, stay tuned to Winning Ponies, sign on to their website, get their products, and I hope we brought you a slew of winners overlooking the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky. I'm John Engelhart. Remember, bet with your head. Not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.